And I wrote down on a piece of paper, I don't want to just shatter the glass ceiling or the glass sideline. I want to shatter the glass slipper mentality. Hello, leaders. Today, we get to share part two of the interview with Dr. Jen Welter, first female professional football coach in the NFL. She brought to us so, so, so much in her interview that we split it into two parts. So today, we're going to cover her thoughts on what would young Jen need and how that has led to her developing so many programs for the women of today and the women of tomorrow. We talk about permission to be bold and who gets that permission. She discusses public speaking tips and information on how to read a room. We also talk shoe selection, gridiron girls, women stepping up in her life to help make a vision come to life, shifting your thought process and when it's time to do so, and her goals for this year, including children's books, speaking, gridiron girls, expansion, content, TV, another book that's a follow-up to play big and maybe coaching. The door is always open. As Jen did in interview part one, you heard so much candor, so much energy, so much great information. She brings it again in part two today. And I also have to shout out to Jen and say a big thank you. My son, my younger son, Anders, who's four years old, came in while we were nearing the end of the interview and Jen just lit up and talked to Anders for a good 10 minutes. And now he's always asking me about the lady on the computer that writes children's books and coaches football. She is one of a kind, such a genuine, great person. And without further ado, I'm going to let you hear all from her and get inspired to take on the world. So let's go. Hey, leaders, let me be blunt. Sometimes in order to level up, you've got to get a new job. Because of this awesome community we have created here for engaged sports professionals and leaders in adjacent industries, opportunities are floating to this community. Do you want to hear about them? I want to share these new opportunities with you. Recently, I've included listings of available jobs in our newsletter and will continue to do so. If you aren't on that newsletter list, you can add your email at leadershipisfemale.com. And if you are hiring, email me at my personal email, emilyjansen at gmail.com, so that I can share your open role. If we want to continue to add diverse, talented leaders to our businesses, we have to look for new ways to recruit this diverse talent. 80% of our listeners on the Leadership is Female podcast are women. Find your next great hire here. Let's go. Hello, my name is Emily Jansen, and this is the Leadership is Female podcast. I am a female leader in the pro sports industry, and each week I interview women in the sports business to teach you the tips and the mindset that will get you to the next level faster. Did you know that less than 25% of leadership roles in the sports and entertainment industry are held by women? We've got work to do. Marion Wright Edelman said, you can't be what you can't see. So I am here as your host to bring visibility to women who are crushing it in their roles. Join me week after week, season after season, as we reach back to extend a hand to pull you forward. We will lead you forward because leadership is female. Well, I appreciate it. I think it's 
again, I, I just literally try and think of who I needed to see um, and what, what young Jen would have like needed. And I know I needed it, right? Like I didn't have that person that I could look at, right? I think I pulled different elements from, you know, it's a good thing I have a creative mind, right? Like I, I pulled different elements from different people and characters, right? And I, I know how important strong women were in even TV shows to me, right? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, like Xena. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm in for that. Like this, this, I'm, I'm all in for it. It made me want to take karate. It made me want to, you know, go out and do stuff. I think tennis was my first sport because that's sport we could see on TV. Um, and I, I know how important that is. And I know how important it is because I also instinctively turned down my first coaching offer. When Wendell Davis um, from the revolution said, you've got to coach my football team. I said, no. And here I am, you know, I had played football for 15 years. I had two gold medals and a PhD and I couldn't coach football. And my, my answer was women don't do that. And thankfully Wendell said, not a lot of guys are going to give you this opportunity. You're taking this job. And in fact, he took it on my behalf and told me about it. Okay. Because too often we women, especially when it's something different, especially when it's a first, you know, that the narrative's big and you know, the pressure. Um, and I, I didn't see myself that way because I hadn't seen anyone else that way. And to think about being that first, that's, that's harder. And so thankfully he wouldn't let me not take the job. He just wouldn't. And he was like, look, I can teach you how to coach football. I can't teach that. I can't teach how those guys were with you. And he was so blown away by the relationships that we had from me playing on the team. He was like, I, I thought the guys tolerated you at best. I knew everything about you, but I never expected those guys to love you and they love you and they listen to you. And that's special. That's coaching. And he just, you know, and I think it's so different for guys because they're given so much permission to be bold and to celebrate themselves and to, you know, to go big or go home. And often women are taught to stay home, right? Like, and I, I know that I struggled with elements of that in myself. And so where I literally try and find courage is, is in, in the people that it can impact right? In the other women that, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to, not only I'm going to be in the room, but I'm going to, I'm going to prove that women should be in this room. And I have had hard conversations that closed doors for me, but opened them for other people. And I know it because they didn't want to hear it. Well, someone had to say, it. and if you don't like me for it, that doesn't mean, you know, then don't hire me, but you're going to hire someone. Right. And that is, that is, that is the really tough first conversation. Right. And 
And it's one that you have over and over. And I, I get asked about things all the time. And I'm kind of like, why am I in the position to have this conversation? And I don't even know if I have the guts to have it. And you know what? I still have to have it. And I have advocated for other women in ways that they'll never know. I have sacrificed things and opportunities that people will never see. Um, and yet, to me, it's always that bigger picture, right? And, and I know now um, the good thing that I think about being that outspoken is and being really consistent in it is anybody who wants to do stuff with me knows exactly what they're getting, right? And that means, you know, you, you don't expect that I'm going to show up and just check the box for you because I'm not that person, right? If you want me, you better want all of me. And that means, that means I'm going to be engaged. I'll give you every single thing that I have. I'm not always going to say the right thing or do the right thing because guess what? None of us are perfect, but I'll tell you when I was wrong too. And hopefully we can laugh our way through the awkward moments, but the people who now want me to do stuff or to speak on stuff or to be engaged, they know what they're getting. And I also know very clearly on the people who won't pick up that phone because it's not really what they want. Yeah. Well, and that's one of the biggest things that we could know is who are our people and who are not. And if we know who isn't, you're like that much further along. You're not wasting your time with the people that, that aren't your people and the people who are your people are going to love you and invest in you and support you and, and charge your career forward. And Speaking of that, one of the things you're working on now, and you have been for several years, is public speaking, and you have an incredible speaking career. I think we've gotten like so much from this conversation already, and we can get a flavor for what it's like to have Dr. Jen on stage, but can you talk to us about what's the message that you deliver, uh, who do you like to speak to, and what's it like doing all this travel to, to spread the good word? Oh gosh. Well, I, I love getting on stage when I was, when I was a kid, um, my mom came up and I was, I was writing, I was drawing and she said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm practicing my autograph. And she was like, what are you practicing your autograph for? And I said, going to be famous. So I have to have a good autograph. She said, okay, well, what are you going to be famous in? And I said, either an athlete or an actress, I'm not sure yet. And I lovingly think of that often because, um, you know, my life is one where I get to do a little bit of both. And I, I think that a great speaker is somebody that you could, that you feel like you're having this one-on-one conversation in a room of thousands. And that's what I try and do. You're not going to get PowerPoint. Sorry. I don't have any facts and figures. I need you to come with me on a journey. And I need you to see the emotion and, and feel the stories and then see how that relates to your own life. And so um, it literally is like, we are having a conversation and you're going to be like, all right, tell me about that. Or how would you build a team? Or, you know, why, why are you so passionate about visibility or diversity or you know, being authentic and, and what is that like in a situation where you're tested? Um, and all of those are things that I speak on. I also am obviously a big advocate of humor. Um, 
in using that. So you get a lot of storytelling. Um, I am notorious for voices and even um, one of the most popular um, talks that I'm asked to give is authentic leadership and really how do you lead when there's no one who's led before you and really finding that voice and what makes you different is what makes you special. Like I, I, I am not going to see things the way that other people do. Is it because I'm a woman? Is it because I have a PhD? Is it because I'm five too? It's all of those things. And guess what? We're going to have a better, more fulfilling, more robust conversation when we add those different vantage points, right? It's like the brilliance of a diamond is only revealed when we bring those facets to light. And that's what it is. And so I love having a great conversation with the audience. And I do say it should feel like we are sitting at a bar and you're like, come on, Jen, tell me really what was that like? Or how did you do this? Or, you know, and I, I don't believe that you can have that conversation if you don't have fluidity in what you're talking about. And what do I mean by that? That means it's not 100% scripted. Um, I do have obviously a game plan and stories that I'll tell, but if the audience responds to something that I'm going to stay there a little bit longer or, you know, add a different story, or if, you know, this is what's going on. And I do a lot of Q and A too. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm a coach. I'm a consultant. I'm fast on my feet. So what matters is what resonates with you, not me. And some thread that you pull from a story or an experience, that's the most important thing. And I don't know that if you don't bring it to life. So um, those are, that's kind of the philosophy. It's so funny because when I first started speaking, um, the, the bookers or the, you know, agencies would kind of freak out when they'd be like, okay, so your PowerPoint, I'd be like, nope, nope. And they're like, wait, we, you need PowerPoint. And I'm like, my point is you don't need PowerPoint. I'm not up there. If I had stats or data that I needed you to get and to grasp, that's one thing, but I don't, this is a story and it's an experience. And, you know, if your brain is there, you're not with me here, right? You're furiously taking notes for what, of what? How many times have we done that and we, we you know, wrote the assignment and missed the message? Um, and so it's funny now because they're like, yeah, so there's no PowerPoint? I'm like, no. Then they're like, okay. But in the beginning, boy, it was painful to explain that. I love what you said there. You wrote the assignment, but you missed the message. Like so good. You were too busy taking notes to like get it all down. But what you were saying there, it's so clear you're an expert at reading a room. You do it on the football field. You do it on stage. Talk a little bit more about that. Are there any like key tips or takeaways you can, you can give to us on like taking that temperature, crafting your message, connecting with, with your audience or with your team? Are, are there any like quick secrets to that trait? Yeah, for sure. The first one is really reading a room there. I, I have a long pre-call with 
anybody that I'm going to speak for, right? And I, I want to learn about them. What is it you're trying to accomplish? What, what is the vibe? What's going on? What's new and different in your company? Really getting on to the personality, the trends. It's, it's a different industry. It's something I'm not, you know, clear on. Any background I can get. I also make sure that like, if there's, if there's a lunch, I don't want to just come in and do my thing and leave. I want to be a part of the lunch. If there's cocktails the night before and I can make it, I probably am because all of that is a way that I can learn the culture of the situation I'm stepping into. I am, I am not so brazen as to think that I know everything about every room. I, I will ask lots of questions on the pre-call that have nothing to do with necessarily um, the direct topic, but you know, maybe you'll tell me something that's a gem of culture, right? Like I, I spoke to um, a law firm and the lady said one of the coolest things. And I already, like, I was like, oh, I knew in that moment we were going to be friends. She goes, she's like, I can fix anything, but the statute of limitations, just, you got to bring it to me. And I was like, I'm going to use that, right? Like, in that moment, I was like, that is definitely, I'm going to say, like, I'm in a room with fixers, you know? Um, and I, I do try and look at things differently, right? Um, whether it's, um, I don't do a podium. Sorry, I'm a coach. I walk the sidelines. Um, I will walk to engage different people, right? You want to, you want to be able to read them. Um, sometimes, um, depending on the group, um, I did a, a speed build the other day with athletes and I, I grabbed two of the biggest guys, one after the other, and I made them come up and talk to me and I asked them questions on the spot and I didn't know where it was going to go, but I knew I was going to be able to adapt based on whatever answer they gave me. Right. Do any of the coaches that you've ever had look like me? No. Right. Great. Okay. So, um, let's talk about communication. Uh, some people, when they, when they coach you, it's kind of like, you know, they kind of get in your face. Right. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I, I never could do that. Everybody like communication styles vary. And I was like, you know, I couldn't yell loud enough at you for you to have to listen. Could I? He said, no. And I said, but what could you do? And he was like, what'd you say? And I was like, right. Any one of you could choose to lean in for a whisper. Right. And so he was like this big, gentle giant. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, I get it. Right. Like I get how they were able to respond to you and like, you know, just kind of cracking them up and like making faces and telling jokes. People were like, oh my gosh, I, I would have loved to play for you. I'm like, you're right. You would have. And just being able to engage them because remember as a speaker, it's not about you. It's about them. And I think too often speakers get up there and it's about them. Well, my story is my story, but I'm sharing it because I want to give you the gift of insight, right? And so, yes, there are jokes. Yes, there are, you know, there are times when I'll make people get up on their feet and bring them into my world and do something football. I've also broken up rooms and shifted them around based on football position. Um, it's, it really is about even knowing the time of day. Guys, if you're a speaker and you're going in at breakfast after they had cocktails the night before, you better do something to get their attention because otherwise they're going to fall asleep during you and they're really hungover, right? 
And I will make them have to get up on their feet because you have to meet people where they're at and find ways to engage them and get them out of their comfort zone if you can, right? I, I mean, I've even laughed before, like walking into a room um, that I could tell people had been sitting down for a really long time. I'm like, all right, guys, um, we got some great work to do here today. I got about a hundred PowerPoint slides. We're just going to go real deep, real fast. Okay. So I need you guys to get ready and get with me in the, you know, you could see them be like, no. And I'm like, I'm just kidding. I don't need PowerPoint. Right. Like it's so much about situations and, and being able to get people on your side is also being really human. I think people get really nervous about speaking. Like they have to be perfect and polished and everything else. And the truth is that's BS. People don't relate to that. People will laugh, right? One of the best speeches I ever gave, it was one of the biggest ones I, you know, several thousand people in, in a women's leadership conference in Vegas and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember I was really upset that morning because I thought I had the perfect outfit, but I just didn't want to wear the shoes. They were you know, high heels and really nice. And I just kept looking at that like, And they were the only ones that matched my dress. You know, it's not like I had a lot of wardrobe choices, but I had another dress and I had a pair of knee high chucks in silver. And I just kept looking at them and I was like, I really want to wear those shoes. And I was like, it kind of breaks every speaker thing I've ever seen and thought of. Like, who goes onto a huge stage wearing chucks? And I was like, maybe I do. And when I looked at them, I was like, hmm, how can I justify these shoes? And I wrote down on a piece of paper, I don't want to just shatter the glass ceiling or the glass sideline. I want to shatter the glass slipper mentality. And I made my intro about those shoes that I wanted us to, you know, smash glass, whatever was holding us back, whatever we thought that we were, we should just, you know, kick it, knock it out of the way. I have never gotten so many compliments on anything in my life. And it was those shoes. And every single woman in there was like, I was so jealous of your shoes. I'm like, I know you were. And I told them I had the perfect pair of pumps and I put them aside for these sneakers today because I wanted us to know that we didn't have to fit in that box. And I struggled with the shoes, you know, and I made it a part of the story, which then wasn't just, oh, she has funky taste in fashion. It was a statement that every woman in that room could relate to. I didn't want to wear the freaking pointy-toed heels. I had to get up and walk around. Like, what if I face planted in those things, right? And, and the women were so alive from it, right? Because it was, it was a bold statement, but it meant something. And it was something that everyone in that room could look at and say, I want to do that, or I want to feel that. And that's, that's what you're doing when you're a speaker is you're a part of whatever that narrative is and whatever, whatever they're trying to get to, then you're going to be a good teammate to help them get there. 
And I want to know the people that I'm talking to, because how can I reach you if I don't know who you are? Right. And guess what? A response and an audience can tell me everything I need to know. You laugh at this. Great. I know you'll laugh at this. You you respond to this. Oh, I'm definitely going to tell this story instead of this one. Or if you're a little bit more serious, okay, well, we might not, we might not go down that road, right? I've also, I also had a woman once tell me that she found um, that they expected um, their conference to be like Vegas and cussing was a hundred percent okay. And I was like, yes, you are my person, right? Because I knew I could go someplace that I couldn't otherwise. And I always find that stories are the place where people relate. It's not just a statement. It's not just a quotile. It's a story that's going to hold them when they're at a decision point or when they need courage to be brave or, you know, one of those things. And those are the really powerful, priceless things that we can share. And they'll remember how you feel, right? How they feel after it. And, and I want to give them every bit of emotion. And when I'm speaking, it is game day to me, right? Like I, I get that charge of, all right, like it's go time. And I'm going to give you everything I've got. And then I probably am really exhausted after. We are all busy professionals, right? That's why I'm always looking for the best products that are both convenient and make life easier. Mobot water bottles are one of these products. Mobot is a beautifully designed water bottle and foam roller in one. This company is female founded and led, which is huge for us at Leadership is Female and supports our core philosophy to elevate women. I use the water bottle at the gym, staying hydrated in boot camp and then flipping the bottle on its side at the end of camp to quickly foam roll my legs. It helps so much with recovery and it feels good. Get yours at mobot.com and use the code leadership is female to get 15% off. Support Lanny, the female founder of this product, and support yourself. This is a must-have wellness product. Visit mobot.com and use the code LEADERSHIPISFEMALE to get 15% off today. Oh, man. So, so, so good. And I love what you said right there. Stories are the place where people relate. And you think about humanity, that's where it all started. Entertainment was originally stories behind the fire. Like we didn't change all of our DNA and that's how we connect. And it's clear that you have an enormous Rolodex of stories in your head, ready to tell at the jump to connect with an audience in a way that will be meaningful for them. And you do so much with us grownups here. I can only imagine what you do with the girls. Tell us a little bit about the gridiron girls. You know, I looked around at the landscape of football uh, back in 2017, and there was really not a place for the girls who might want to learn. And I remember when I started talking to people about it, they, the answer was usually girls don't want to play football. And I'm like, how do you know? Girls have never had the opportunity to decide if they want to play in a place and a space for. And so I actually started Gridiron Girls. I had a a few of my friends and I announced a national tour. We had no sponsors. 
I had no backers. I had a few people who were like, yeah, we got your back, but you know, but I knew it had to be a national tour and I knew it had to be big because if we just did one camp, then they could say, oh, well, that was just there. Or that was because of this. Like we needed a national impact. And what happened was instead of my goal was 12 camps in the first year. And it ended up that we did 18 in the first year because people saw what we were doing and they were like, oh my gosh, you know, and it was moms. Honestly, it was friends of mine who had daughters um, who were like, I, I need that here. Let me help you. And, you know, they'd be like, I'll, I'll get the field. I'll do X, Y, and Z. I'll help get the word out. And these amazing women in different cities helped to make this vision realized. And interestingly, kind of the evolution, you know, at first I was like, it's just a football camp. I was very, they get a football camp, just like the boys do. Right. And I remember people saying, but Jen, I hope you give them more than that. I, I hope you're really building into them you. And I remember just being like, huh, they're right. And so I shifted my whole thought process around what Gridiron Girls really was. It was, and we say confidence through football and teaching the girls that there is no game they cannot play and no field they do not belong in or on. Because the confidence that I would see from these girls watching them go into this sport that everybody had said was just for boys or never for girls. And to see them, you know, transform when they caught a pass for the first time or they pulled a flag or they celebrated in the end zone. You could see these girls come in shy and quiet and and maybe like scared And by the end of it, they'd be bold and like, you know, ah, did you see that? You know, celebrating themselves. And so we really then got intentional about making sure that not only were we teaching the game, but that there were elements of confidence in all of the things that we were doing and all of the messaging that we were giving. And then, yes, I would talk to them after. And at the same time, my commitment was that the girls got to learn from the best women and men in the game. So I was giving women opportunities to coach because those opportunities weren't around when I was playing. Um, And I wanted these women to be able to be the heroes to these girls who then could go watch them play. And that the, the guys in the community, whether it be current or retired guys, they then got to be on the same field with the women. So guess what? You get to see, oh my gosh, that's a good football person. And then what happens? Oh, come coach at my camp, or I want to go see you play, or, you know, just allowing for those relationships to start to flourish. And I could do that by infusing good in the community. And, you know, it's, it's crazy to me now. I mean, we lost a year and a half to COVID, right? But to have, to have, in under four years, gone to, you know, 49 camps um, all over the country and see some of the girls who, you know, whether it's, we have a group in Boston who they were my third camp um, and a bunch of these girls now are still playing. And 
I think the youngest was, she was under five at that time. Her mom said she was almost six because we usually say six to 18, right? Her name's Kaylee. And Kaylee and her group of friends have all been playing for four years. And they're some of the top eight and 10 U players in the country. Like these girls have swag. Like I never even imagined like an eight, nine year old girl could have out on a football field. And I'm just like blown away. And, you know, we have girls who are now getting college opportunities, right? I just saw one of them, um, one of my girls, uh, her name's Destiny. Her Instagram is Biddy Brat. She just committed to college like yesterday. And the, you know, the Suncoast offensive MVP last year, her name is Jada. Uh, she goes to St. Thomas and she said it was the camp that she went to that we did with uncle Luke in Miami that flipped a switch for her, that she realized she could really be something, not just play, but be something. And at that time, it wasn't even an opportunity to play college yet. They, they announced that like four months later and, you know, to just see how these girls are now like leaders and, you know, the, the Miami crew, which they, they tend to be, they play in high school. So we had an older group there. Some of those girls who are now in college came back and helped me with the younger girls, right? Like, it's just, it's amazing to me to see that these girls will grow up in a world where football is real and it's not, it's not a dream and it's not the place where they couldn't, you know, that girls weren't allowed to go anymore. And I just, I just think about that and I'm like, man, the world is just going to be so much different when you're my age. Oh man, Jen, nothing gets me more emotional than hearing stories of an impact and a life change of a young girl. I'm like, holding back tears on the other end of the zoom. This is just incredible. The lives that you've touched and changed through football camps, because mm-hmm. it's more than a game. It is and a game. what you can bring to the table and your energy and your story and your inspiration is changing these girls lives and giving them the confidence. They, they started behaving like a more confident person. The more days that they showed up to your camp and guess what? That behavior led to the change. Mm-hmm. That is incredible. And, and, you know, and we, we keep touch and I, you know, I repost their videos and, you know, and I, I have parents who are like, yeah, my daughter now has like, I had to get her color clip-ins because of you. And I'm like, great. And they're <laughs> like, no, I love it. They're like, I love it. I'm like, hair's easy. Hair is, is, you know, like you change it, you change it back. You like it, you don't. Like if your daughter wants to express herself through hair, that's pretty amazing. If that's, that's the place that she has an outlet, do it. And, and, the, and I've had so many parents be like, you know, I never thought of it that way. And I'm like, you know, one of the things that is so important to me is that these girls know that they can be anything and any combination of things, right? I remember struggling with like, could you you know, have nails. If you were going to play football, could you, Oh, I can't have pink hair. I got to be serious. Well, but why, why is that? And yes, you can, you can have 
dope hair and fingernails and, you know, and whip the boys' butts on the football field at the same time. It is not one set of rules. And I want the girls to see that you can be whatever crazy combination of self that you want to be. And that to me is really important. And I, I think we need to see that and they deserve to see it because, you know, I've heard the opposite so often, right? Like, oh, I don't want to play sports because I don't want to look like a boy. We as a society have done an unfair thing to girls if they don't believe that they can be a crazy combination of awesome, right? And you don't, you don't have to want hair like mine. That's cool too. You want to shave your head? I don't have that cute a head. That's cool too. But I want you to know that whatever you want to do, you can do it and do other things, right? It's not an or situation. It's an and situation. And you get to determine what those rules are in your own life. I love that. So, so, so good. And you've got to be a person, you've got so much going on. Are there any goals that you're setting this year that you can share with us? So the series is called Critter Fitter. You have all kinds of animals and they do different stuff. Some of them work out. Some of them hug each other. Lots of cool stuff. You can tell I love kids stuff. And part of what I want to do this year is um, do more stuff in schools where we can read the books. Um, One part of the series is actually like workout books um, with just how much has been cut back in physical activity. We have Busy Bee who leads all our workout stuff. So each book has a little mini story that frames the workout. Then Busy Bee takes them through a dynamic warm up. Then they do animal based exercises. So all stuff that animals would do. Like we have a cobra sway, kind of like your snake. So each of those books then has the animal exercises and then a cool down. And then it closes the story. We have four books out now. I think I have another five or six illustrated and in the can that we're really designing the launch strategy. The first, the first four I wrote um, to help kids and families and teachers through COVID stuff. And I was stuck inside. So like, what else am I going to do, but create a kid's book series? I mean, I don't know. So I want to really figure those out, doing some different stuff in, in business development um, and speed builds definitely more speaking and, um, expanding gridiron girls. We actually, I made gridiron girls, a a 501c3 fiscal sponsorship. So now really figuring out how we can, how we can take it to the next level and grow. So it's not just me because I, there are so many girls that, you know, we could do more good for. So I have to figure out really how to, how to fundraise behind that so that we can support. I mean, we had a cool breakthrough. Um, one of the schools that we worked with was a KIPP school in Houston. And it was tough to get the girls out there. Texas is still very much boys in football. And yet they have a team that's now going to play um, that came out of that camp. So I, of course, sent them um, a bunch of T-shirts and things like that so that they would, you know, they would be kind of rewarded for being the brave one. So I want to be able to, as football really grows for the girls, grow with them and, and support them. So that's a, that's a big one for me. And then um, I'm looking at doing more content, probably doing some TV stuff because that's what I keep 
hearing is to do more. And I definitely need to write another adult book because I keep getting asked for that too. But I have yet to zero in on exactly what it is. Um, but I, you know, Play Big came out in 2017. And, you know, I've had so many people who just really loved that book and they're like, all right, where's the next one? And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. It's like in my spare time, but you know, but that's the, that's the other, uh, probably the other goal. I just need to get in. And then I very badly have to remodel this place. I moved in the pandemic. I had bought this place in LA in January. And then I got here the day LA shut down. So I now have cabinets and appliances to redo this kitchen and they're sitting in my living room. So I need it to not be like it is because I don't even feel like I fit in the place now. It's already not a big place. LA place is not big. And then there is a possibility of, of, you know, going back and coaching on a staff, which is, you know, always, always a possibility. So I, I want to be able to get some of these things set up so that, you know, like if I go back on a staff full-time gridiron girls, they still are supported and it's not only contingent on me because a lot of those things are now. And if I'm not there to drive them, then ain't nobody driving the bus. And we don't, we don't yet have a a self-driving car over here. So So many things, children's books, adult books, speaking, coaching, gridiron girls, and, uh, and the personal life, we got to do an apartment or a condo or a house remodel. Oh yeah. Get those cabinets out of the boxes and hung. And I have one thing to add to your um, agenda. You need a Netflix series. There's your TV moment right there. There you go. I would call it on this podcast. It's happening. Let's do it. Put in, put in the call. Let's, let's make it happen. Yes. Final four questions, quick and quick hitters. What's your best piece of advice for women today so they can level up tomorrow? Focus on being great. Don't focus on that. Someone else thinks that you're great because when you're good, someone will find you and anybody who misses your skill set, give them whiplash with your ponytail as they're like, dang, was that a girl? Yes. Yes, it was. And your fault. You missed me. Where are you traveling to next? Uh, San Jose, then Boston, then Vegas, then home all within the next week. Wow. That's the speaking tour, right? Yes. There we go. Okay. What's your pump up song? And do you have only one or is this like a whole playlist we can share? We need some of that energy. Many, many songs, um, depending on what I'm doing. Funny enough, I, I tend to like to, um, when I'm doing a walk-up for a talk, play Alu Black, I'm the Man, um, because what most people don't realize is it has nothing to do with gender. That song, it actually is I'm the One, but, you know, it's just funny um, when I play that song. So that's a, that's a good one. Love that. Okay. And then finally, what is your favorite quote? I have a, a sign that was a gift from Kate Hindy who's another woman who kicked a lot of glass in football. And it just simply says, well-behaved women seldom make history. I love it. What a perfect wrap up to this incredible conversation. 
Dr. Jen Welter, you have given us more than we could have ever asked for. And I'm so grateful to have had you as part of the Leadership is Female podcast. Thank you. Times a million. Anytime. Where can we keep in touch? Give us all the, all the links. Uh, JenWelter.com. Instagram is Welter47. And then Gridiron Girls with three R's because there's a little gur in there. I'm also what Welter47 on LinkedIn, Dr. Jen Welter on Facebook, and Jay Welter47 on Twitter. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and you are such a gift to all of us. Thank you. You got it. My pleasure. With that, let's get into the top four takeaways. Number one, focus on being great. When you are good, someone will find you. Number two, read the room. Don't write the assignment and miss the message. Number three, what makes you different is what makes you special. And number four, stories are the place where people relate. Become a great storyteller. Thank you for listening to the Leadership is Female podcast. It means the world to me that you chose to spend your time with this podcast today. If you like this episode, subscribe, share, and review. What can you do today to lead her forward? We will do our part to lead her forward because leadership is female. Thank you for joining us. This podcast was recorded and edited by Emily Jansen, public relations by Paige Hegedus, and distributed by Anchor FM.